You're listening to the Short Shift Podcast, proud member of the Black and Gold Podcast Network. You can support the show by leaving a comment and five-star rating on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, or any of your favorite podcast platforms. You can contact the show via Twitter at ShortShiftPod. Cynically acclaimed, incredibly online. It's Boston Hockey Talk with your hosts, Thomas Nystrom and Andrew Johnson. Enjoy the show. Between his skates, on the backhand, cuts to the front, he scores! An incredible play by David Pasternak, and Boston opens the scoring in Game 5. The officials are in play, and sometimes we are reminded of that fact. Here's Bergeron, he scores! Bergeron with the knuckler on the blocker side of Samsonov gives the Bruins a 2-0 lead. Moved on for Pasternak. Sherry back defensively as he just got out of the ice. Pasternak trying to walk through him. It's stolen away. Here's Bergeron. He scores! After the push from Washington, Bergeron gets one chance and makes it 3-1. One last chance to the net. Rask makes the save. The Boston Bruins win four in a row. They win a series for the fourth year in a row. And they eliminate the Washington Capitals in five games. I'll tell you what, man. That's not how I saw the series going. I saw the Bruins winning the series, and I saw them improving as the series went on, but they, they basically barely lost the first game and then just flipped a switch. Capitals got tired quicker than I thought they would. And that uh, age those really. last, yeah, those yeah. especially especially in games four and five, they they just look like a team that was not supposed to be in the playoffs. And it's funny, I'm saying that now because after the first game, the Capitals to me look like the more playoff prepared team. They, they look really like did. they belong. Yeah, and it, everything changes. And some of those things that changes or changed, pasta. Pasta flipped it on. Uh, dude, <laughs> honestly, yep. Connor Clifton, what a series for him, man. Like, we, we knew he's capable of doing it, but holy shit, what a, like, he might have been one of the best or at least top five players on the ice for us, mm-hmm. especially in those last couple games. I, I, I would go as far as to say he was probably our second best defenseman throughout the series. You can make that I, argument. Yeah. Um, you know, I, McAvoy obviously was an absolute horse yeah. <clears throat> throughout the entire series. We've seen but, it. We've seen it for him multiple times, but I think on a national spotlight, this might've been another coming out party for McAvoy. 
Absolutely. 100%. I, I'm, I, I forget what game it was. I believe it was uh game three. I think it was game three, um, game three or four. I forget which game it was, but what was it? The last eight forty-eight on uh, in the game, McAvoy spent five minutes and twelve seconds on the ice. That is yep. insane. Yep. That is the that is that is the shit that you need in the playoffs from your number one defenseman. That's trust. That is trust. That is trust, that- and we are going to touch on trust a little bit later in this episode. Oh, are we ever? Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, wh- what's your initial reaction from watching what this team was capable of doing, especially in those last couple games? My reaction is this is the team that we've been looking for all year. Just in execution, in pure effort, and just skating circles around a much older, much slower team and proving, honestly, that they didn't really need to match their physicality. Mm-hmm. You can't hit what you can't catch. They 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 took full advantage of their of the vast speed advantage that they had and just shut down a team that was basically had Laviolette scrambling throughout the entire series, putting in raffle, putting in raffle at center, taking out raffle, putting in sprung uh, for like the speed for, to try to mitigate that speed advantage um, trying to change up the power play, nothing, nothing like, especially in games four and five, nothing was working for them. And I think that's a very underrated part that I'm not hearing a lot of is that Bruce Cassidy, once again, pushing all the right buttons while Laviolette is standing there with his dick in his hand, mm-hmm. basically. Yep. What do you think about that? I, I mean, just to touch on the, the coaching, I don't think there's any question that Cassidy outcoach the hell out of Laviolette. Laviolette is, Lavi is not, yeah, I mean, Lavi is not our favorite coach mm-hmm. in, in any way, but he, he's, he gets these opportunities for a reason. He's not a bad coach. He's just a piece of shit. <clears throat> Absolutely. Not to, not to put my personal spin on it too much. Please but, do. <laughs> but honestly, Cassidy is light years ahead of Lavi at this point. Oh yeah. Uh, he knows, he knows what his team is. I didn't get the impression that Lavi really knew what his team was at the end of the, at the end of that we, series. And if he did, it's he knew that his team was not capable of keeping up. And maybe that's is, why he was doing too much. I don't know. That's the only thing. I, that, that might even be me giving him too much credit to try to tinker too much. But the team looked lost. Ovechkin looked lost those last two games. Ovechkin really did look lost. And Ovechkin probably had well, – I, I don't think Ovechkin skated five feet in game five. Like he was just – he was just parked out – at the slot waiting for that one timer as, as he, as he is wont to do mm-hmm. and not for nothing, but going back to your, going to your point about Laviolette, not knowing what his team was. Maybe that's why he played everybody the last game of the season. Yeah. I, don't know. <laughs> I think, I think a mixture of that. And also he didn't know who he was going to have 100% health. Right. For the playoffs. I think, I think right. it could have been a combination but, sure. But yeah, I mean, we talked about it uh, a week ago, like that that whole situation where Ovechkin was very visibly upset with Sam Senov at the end mm-hmm. of the game when Craig Smith just peed on him for that victory. Uh, That's a good way. It, to we said that that was that was that was going to be a turning point, like, mm-hmm. and it it really was. Mm-hmm. Capitals didn't look right after that, and and to touch on what you just said about the the physicality or whatever, 
I think the Bruins, when necessary, they matched up pretty well physically. Yeah, but they, they, didn't, they didn't need to. Yeah, but they didn't need to like. Yeah, it wasn't. Know. It wasn't their game. Yeah, but right. they didn't shy away from it, and and mm-hmm. they stole that series straight up. Like they just they went in there and they took it, and to win that game on the road mm-hmm. in the way that they did, that game right. was close. Game five wasn't close. No, it Never wasn't. It was, we, it we was like, waiting for time to go by. They scored. They scored 11 seconds into the third, but you never felt they were in any danger. Yep. You never felt they were in any danger. Even when they basically were laying siege to the Bruins net for about maybe 10 minutes in that third period, they had that scramble where Rask made three or four amazing saves. And then at the other end, you want to talk about peeing on him, fucking Bergeron coming through with the snapshot making Samson off look like an idiot. Yep. That's peeing on him. Mm-hmm. So, and, and <clears throat> to touch on that, mm-hmm. Bergeron stepped up when he needed to step up. He, he did all those things that the Capitals weren't doing in those last two games. Uh, the first line didn't really have a great start to this series. Nope. I felt that they finished the series off exactly how they needed to. And Bergeron, Bergeron, that game five was, I, th- I think even it was like an emotional release seeing that because it was such a changing of the guard, mm-hmm. knowing full well you're going to have those two dudes shaking hands right mm-hmm. at the end of that game, and it's going to be, right. it's going to be a, an interesting thing to see. But Bergeron, Bergeron is the fucking C, and he played like the C. And man, you it was just have to lead, and Bergeron led. He led by example, as he has always done. The backstory on that game, the backstory in the series. Mm-hmm. It ended exactly how we needed it to as Bruins fans. Uh, Hockey Troll was uh, fairly, <laughs> fairly correct in his fears, honestly, yeah, because he, he, the yeah, Capitals, he, the Capitals looked good, but they didn't have they didn't have the horses. They didn't have the depth. I know you right. want to talk about the depth. That is a major, major piece to why this Bruins team is what it is right now and could be what it could be. Mm hmm. Right. The bottom six, the bot went when, when you were touching on how the top lines were not producing at the beginning of the series and you had guys like DeBrusque and Richie just, and, and Coyle to a lesser extent, Coyle, yeah. Coyle had low key, had a really, really good series. He had a good productive series. Mm-hmm. And when you are, Getting production from your bottom six and the team that you are the, the team that you're against is shuffling chairs on the Titanic in their top six. Mm-hmm. What else do you need to know? What else do you need from that? Because yeah. because that, that gets to a point where it's like you said, we know who our team is. Did Lavi? Mm. Not really. And and like you said, he probably he knew he knew the writing was on the wall. They didn't have the horses. They didn't have the depth. They didn't have the they didn't have their legs. Mm-hmm. And you really, really saw it. You really saw it in game three. Um, in the in the overtime in the in the probably midway through the first overtime, they were they were sucking wind. Yeah. And it never got any better for him. That Craig Smith, <laughs> that Craig Smith hustle play ended up being mm-hmm. kind of, it was kind of a mercy kill at that yeah. point. Like emblematic. Yeah. 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 
Uh, I don't think uh, Lavi really had a full grasp of what his team was. Mm-hmm. He definitely didn't have a full grasp of who his goaltender was going to be. And that was a big, big piece of the series. The right. flip side is Bruins fans, we know exactly who our goaltender is, man. Tuka Rask had an excellent series. Yes, he did. That first game, he had some some weirdness happen with some deflections, mm-hmm. some things kind of skewing towards the soft side, but he fucking had an excellent series, particularly those last three games. What was it? 940 save percentage in this Unbelievable. Mm-hmm. But bench him or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> So, and and now we're now we're seeing that there's uh, been some talks and that they're they're putting contract talks on hold until the playoffs are over. Mm-hmm. Just the fact that they're doing that is at least somewhat positive. We've talked about it before. If, if he wants, if he does want to come back and still play hockey, a two to three year, five to six million, I'm all yep. about it. Yep. I think that I think that I think that crystallizes it. I think yep. that I think Neely. Letting out that little bit probably solidifies that he's he's coming back. The and first thing we've heard from him in fucking months, too. Good. I don't remember the last thing I've heard from Cam Neely. I think he said one sentence in that Sweeney press conference. Not 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 the uh, the one before the trade deadline mm-hmm. when we were struggling yeah. when he yeah. came out. I think he said one thing, but other than that, no. He's let Sweeney do all the talking, but yep. him and yeah, him and uh, he had a pre, he had a pretty a pretty um eventful press conference where he said Rask is we're tabling discussions with Rask for everybody saying that Rask is going to retire this year next uh, after this year. That doesn't sound like the sound of that doesn't sound like somebody who's going to, who has any intention of retiring. Mm -hmm. And you know what? Maybe he still does, but, Mm -hmm. but most, most importantly, those talks aren't happening right now. There's focus in that locker room. That's all I fucking care about. Honestly. Also David Krejci. Uh, David Krejci was part of that as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you think about that? Uh, I'm fine with Krejci returning if the money's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's. I don't think he's going to get paid anywhere close to what he's been getting paid. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure he'd be okay with that. <laughs> well, I mean, there's there's cap room, uh, mm-hmm. and I think a good chunk of that cap room is going to need to be focused on Krejci's line mate right now, number 71. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's... Mm-hmm. That's a big focus. This is a very important offseason. We've talked about this so many times over the last couple yeah. months on this podcast. This is this is going to be Sweeney's biggest offseason for, even for so many reasons. Now. This is yeah. even more important now than when we started this conversation because of number 71. Yep. And I do think Krejci is more apt to come back for a, not necessarily team-friendly deal, but uh, a, a responsible team contract, specifically if, if Hall is going to be back. And mm-hmm. this is... Wow! All of a sudden, this playoff window is—it's a little bit more wide open. You know what I mean? Like it's—it's—it's it's, it's not shut in this year. We—I've we, already staked my claim on that. Mm, I don't think same. that I don't think our window is quite closed, but I think it's—it's it's getting it's getting to be close. Mm-hmm. But maybe it's maybe this is an off season where we really can figure out how to keep it open for another like three years. Right. I'd be content right. with that. Another three great years of Bergeron mm-hmm. before before it really starts becoming an issue or whatever. Yeah. Not critical that, mass. That I think, yeah. Like mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not saying in any way that I think he's slowing down or anything like that. He is, he's, he's the perfect hockey player, man. He really is. Bergeron's perfect. My heart. My heart. That's why we call him Mr. Perfect. That's it. You know, he's, he's, 
he he steps up he steps up when he needs to and he's always do, he's always doing the little things no matter what and he's doing the little things no matter what and he does star shit too it's yeah. it's the quietest star of the four major sports but my favorite yep always been my favorite and there have been players to say like he comes up to you in the locker room whether you're a top guy or you're a bottom guy mm-hmm. and he will give you words of encouragement. He'll give you tips. He'll talk about experience, stuff like that. Like he's not, it's not that he's not a vocal leader. I think he is a lead by example guy and a one-on-one guy. Like, I think that's his, his quote unquote management style where he's not yeah. going to blast you in front of the the locker room, but he's going to pull you aside and he's going to let you know what's going on. Uh, Pasternak's story earlier this year about how he likes to play dad between him and Mar- between Pasternak and Marchand mm-hmm is probably the most <laughs> indicative of his ma- management style. Well, he'll just come, he'll, he'll come up to the, he'll come up to the two big flashy stars and be like, fucking stop. Yeah. <laughs> or what was the word enough? <laughs> yeah. It's perfect. So, man. I, yeah. The dynamic in that locker room has never been a question for me. Exactly. exactly. So, especially not in the last couple of years, honestly for the last fucking decade. Mm-hmm. The only question that we had, I guess, was kind of at the beginning of this year, mm-hmm. the switching of the captain right. and losing losing Chara, losing Krug. How is this going to impact this locker room that's so fucking tight? I don't that think it is. impacted it nearly as much as some people thought it was going to. And mm-hmm. right, uh, I mean, we might as well go ahead and touch on some Chara here. Uh, I know, I know what your opinion is. Yeah, I'm gonna just I'll preface it saying I don't think he had. A terrible series. Statistically, he was slightly in the positive, but he did not look. He didn't. He didn't look like himself. He didn't look like he was worth being out there at times. And that's. It was honestly. It was. It was sad to see. It was upsetting to see. And he looked like a guy in Game Five that. I, I know I tweeted it out, but I'm going to say it again. He looked like a guy who was very aware that this was very possibly his last game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I don't think he had a terrible series, but he did not look good. And he was statistically, I think he was a plus one. Mm-hmm. And I honestly think that had more to do with the personnel that he was around and the timing that he was on the ice. He was not on the ice during critical minutes. Mm-hmm. And if he was, it did not go positively. He had, I, I will, I, I will preface this by saying that, I I agree with you to a point that he didn't have a terrible series. Uh, series game one, he had his best game by far in the mm-hmm. series. It was game one. But the whole team had their best game. I just yes, exactly. Like that's exactly. the thing, you know. And that's just it, right? That's the so, caveat there. But the more you get into usage and situations. Four shifts in the third period in game. Uh, four shifts in the third period of a tie hockey game that went to overtime in game two. Under, under twenty minutes in a double overtime. Uh, oh no, just over twenty minutes in a double overtime game in game three. Uh, I believe he did not approach sixteen minutes in either game, four or five. And games four or five, he was 
games four and five. Game five, the only noticeable thing he did was that he laid a hit on Craig Smith and Craig Smith laughed in his face, which was my favorite part of the game. <laughs> but it was just, you really noticed it on the penalty kill, uh, which was Chara's main bag at this point of his career. You know, he's still of a good to very good penalty killer. But the Bruins power play abused his side constantly. They had that set play with Marshawn on the net front, and they went to it time and time again, and the puck would almost always get through. And Chara did not have Chara did not have the speed or the agility to turn. Um, it was I, I I put this in the agenda, and I want to get your take on it. Uh, last week I said that watching Chara on the Capitals was like watching Joe Montana on the Chiefs. Fucking weird. It's weird. It will never not be weird. After. The performance of his last two, I'll say two and a half games. Was it more like watching Willie Mays on the Mets in that just sadness of watching somebody who has staved off father time as long as he has, but father time finally came and collected. Yeah. I mean, I'm not that old. I don't remember Willie Mays on the Mets, <laughs> but I know what you're saying. And bad. There's, there's that's been all a, you have to know. It was bad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's there's a number of examples that you can think of. Like, I, mm-hmm. it's it's funny actually. I saw a couple of like social media posts. I don't remember Vladimir Guerrero on the Orioles. You know, like those type of things. Right. And it's just like the tail end of the career, or or right now, what we're really seeing over the last two weeks in professional sports, Albert Pujols. Like on that whole situation. Yeah. Like on the Dodgers, but like how we got, how we got let go. No, there's, no. there's some correlation there, you know, like sure. it's, it's upsetting to see. Uh, I, I don't like seeing Chara in a Caps jersey. Mm-hmm. He has, I've seen enough clips where he has it c- kind of put himself out there in that locker room and has, has made his friends and gotten, gotten acclimated just a likable guy. <laughs> yeah, I mean he's he's fucking char, man. Like mm-hmm. right. But I will say that the joy that you were seeing in some of those clips, like where they're getting ready for the game and they're fucking dry humping each other in the hallways and all that stuff. I'm sure you've seen that clip. Uh <laughs> yes. Ridiculous. Um put an and and not safe for work tag on that. <laughs> <laughs> the seeing him enjoy himself playing hockey was kind of nice to see because mm-hmm. I do, I, I do love the guy and I'm excited for one day, hopefully being in the arena when his banner goes up, but mm-hmm. seeing his, his demeanor on the ice, specifically in the last like two games, he looked scared. He looked lost. He looked uncomfortable. He'd look like he didn't have a fucking friend on that team. Mm-hmm. He looked, ugh, he looked beaten down. He looked like a guy at the end of his career. And now they're saying in the last the last day or two, he's not ready to discuss whether he's coming back next year or not. He wants to talk with his family. And right. I know that's like kind of like just a generic feed the media line when you mm-hmm. just want people to give you some fucking personal space. But sure. I genuinely think there's going to be some discussions that this might be it. And if it is, fine. I think he had an okay year. I don't think he had a good year or a great year or anything like that. I, but I think he had a serviceable year. He he just ran out of steam. 
And that team, that team itself ran out of steam. If you wanted to go to a team where your weaknesses are going to get hidden, he went to the wrong team. Right. I think that's, really I think that's ultimately kind of what happened. He went to a slow team and he was another slow player. And uh, if, if he went to a team with some speed that just kind of needed a, a stable body and, and whatnot, but I don't know. I don't know what else was out there and mm-hmm. maybe we never know what else was out there. What else was offered to him or if there even was, I, I would like to think that there was, but. I'd say that there was probably a few teams that offered those services, but I think the cap, I think probably what, what probably ended up happening was that the caps gave them the best chance to chase for a cup. Totally fair. And then I would assume at this point, it was less about playing and more about winning. I think he wanted one more win and that's, that's him, Mm -hmm. his drive. Mm -hmm. And he, he's a fucking competitor. Otherwise you're not playing hockey at 44 fucking years old. Sorry. Yeah, exactly. Like if you don't want to be out there, same thing with Brady. He doesn't have to be out there. Mm-hmm. He doesn't he have to be, to be out, out there, there for fucking five years. Like, right. But if, He's proven if he his wants point. to be out there and he feels like he can still do it, let him go do it. Mm-hmm. I don't think he feels like he can do it right now. The thing that really hit me and um, I'll just touch on this real quick. It wasn't the handshake line that got me. Um, I th- think that was to be expected. And I think I mentally prepared myself for that. Um the hugs between McAvoy and Pasta and Bergeron uh, did tug at the heartstrings. But the thing that really got me was at the end of the game when the Bruins were celebrating on their end of the ice, the camera and the NBC feed cut to Chara in front of Samsonov's net. And you could see it in his face. His career was flashing before his eyes. Mm-hmm. I know he said... He needs a few days to discuss it with the family. And yeah, there probably there will be discussions. But I think you're right, man. I think that is a man who saw the saw the other side of the tunnel. And I don't necessarily wish it was with the Bruins. Um, I think the Bruins made a correct decision in moving on. Or I shouldn't say because the, the 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 story varies depending on who you speak to, but they didn't move on as much as they didn't budge from what they saw him as. I think I think that's the right. Yeah, I think that's the and right I think story. I think they made the correct decision in not budging. But I do still miss him as a personality. Yep. Um, and. I think that he deserves to go out on his his own terms and he is a fucking legend no matter what no matter how you feel about how he left or the front office decisions or whether or not you believe that it was the correct decision of the Bruins of the Bruins moving on I think we need to take a step back and realize that and you've said this on the pod before, making a decision with your head and not your heart will almost always be the correct decision, mm-hmm. but it will be the hardest one. And Chara, it, it's sad. It is sad. And I'm actually getting a little choked up thinking about it because of the man had a huge part in bringing this franchise from moribund to 
the gold standard in the NHL. But you can have that feeling while still saying it was time. You'd rather be too early than too late. Yep. And I think this proves that the Bruins were right on time, as sad as it is to say. I don't know if he's going to retire or not. I, my assumption is that he does. Mm-hmm. And I don't think his impact on Boston is done. I think he is very much intertwined and his family is very much intertwined with, with Boston. They live in Medford. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I know one of the things that I always really liked about Chara and one of the things that was a bummer to see him go for uh, was his, his involvement with the community. And I don't think that's going to stop. I think whether he retires at the end of this year or not, he's not necessarily retiring as a capital. He's, he's a fucking Bruin and he will be involved in this community going forward. And maybe arguably one of the greatest ambassadors that this city will ever see. I, I, think I truly be believe that. I don't know. I think there's, I think there's room for that, but my assumption is he wouldn't go directly into it mm. if he did. Uh, mm. I, I would assume that he would probably be more apt to, to stick with the community outreach and the, those type of things, things that ambassadorial mean, roles. Yep. Yeah. Like I, I think those things mean a lot to him and also he can involve his family with it. And I know his, his family, his daughters, et cetera, are, are very important to him. So mm-hmm. I think, I think that's what I see, but mm-hmm. I'm sure at some point this off season, we'll have plenty of those conversations because I have a feeling that we'll have at some point more information and a, a more mm-hmm. finalized uh, view of, mm-hmm. of the end of his career. Yeah. One hundred percent. So my just just to finish, I guess with uh, with this series. Now that mm-hmm. Bruins have moved by, past the Caps and arguably the best possible way, I feel a lot better about this team going out of this series than I did going in. Mm-hmm. And uh, that says a lot because I still I predicted them to win in six. They won in five. Mm-hmm. They're better than I thought. I think the only thing that I don't feel great about with the Bruins is kind of the story of the fucking year where we're we're still seeing too many penalties, too many penalties, like just just too much. Mm-hmm. Our penalty kill was fantastic and held us in games along with mm-hmm. Tuka Rask in this mm-hmm. past series. Right. As this playoff continues, it's going to get harder to, to do. You know what I mean? Like we're going to be playing better skilled teams as it goes. Isles have the strong have you know at the trots trots puck, and trots is gonna trots trots is gonna trots. We gotta we got we, we gotta play that clip at the beginning at the beginning <laughs> of the show. Where it's like I've had where you were where you it seems like we we were both pretty certain that the Pens were gonna win, mm-hmm. but you did say trots might trots, and I think mm-hmm. trots is trots in a little bit. They have trots puck. They also have Ilya Sorokin, fucking. Stealing games out of thin air. Pens outshot them 50 to 28 in that double overtime game. And they and and they lost. And Sorokin just kept it two to two for the longest time. Mm-hmm. But they also have the pop gun offense that really took a hit. Like I've said, really took a hit when Anders Lee left. And that can be taken advantage of. Uh, anything you want to touch on before we uh, wrap this? Nope. I think we covered everything that I wanted to. 
Yeah, I think uh, I think it's a very strong possibility that we jump on for like even another like half hour, forty five minute type one. Uh, oh hell yeah! And hell, if it's that. if it's uh, if it ends up being the Islanders, maybe we get your boy on here for a little talk or something like that, and just do a, a half hour quick roundtable type thing. I'll drop him a line, see what he says. Yeah. So if mm-hmm. if that's a possibility, but yeah. uh, a preview might not be a bad idea. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What would you do? Would you would would this be like episode? 21 and a half. <laughs> no, I mean, it's just, just, I mean, like earlier in the season, we had a couple of weeks where we dropped multiple episodes. So that's right. I'm That's not, right. I'm that's not right. really right. treating them as like week 21, week 22 type thing. It's mm-hmm. we've, we've, uh, we haven't had really a set day that we've released some of these podcasts. Right. Uh, and we've been kind of playing with the schedule, uh, or playing to the schedule. Yeah, and I right. think that that's worked in our advantage. It's, it has us because this season has been lined up the way it has, uh, it's been difficult at times and then also very easy at times. So mm-hmm. I, I, th- th- I will say, I will say there's been um, times, especially lately where if we haven't recorded in a few days, I'll get DMs saying, when are you guys going to record again? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I see that too. As always, I definitely appreciate everybody listening and certainly the interactions as they've continued to grow. I'm much appreciated. If anybody's listening to this uh, podcast on Apple Podcasts. The best way you can help us is jump on, rate, subscribe, uh, or whatever way you listen. If there's any way to uh, leave a nice rating, nice comment, whatever, uh, that's mm-hmm. the best way to help this podcast continue. And it's the best way to help this podcast grow. So uh, we wouldn't be still doing it if we didn't have those of you who are reaching out to us and interacting with us. And, and uh, it's just making this a lot more fun than it would be if we were just fucking screaming Talk. into the void. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, and, and we've obviously gained an audience and we are very, very appreciative of you guys. And we're always listening. We're always listening. If you guys want to see something, if you guys want to, I don't know, if you guys want us to cover, want us to cover something else Bruins related um, during the time, just let us know. Like Mm -hmm. we are, we are very open to suggestions and if you want it and we, and it's something that we can do, We'll do it. Yep. And honestly, like I've, I feel pretty confident in saying, I think we have some really smart listeners too. Oh yeah. Uh, some, some people who like tweet at us or, or comment on certain stuff. And it's just like, it's a great opinion. And mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if at some point we reach a point where we're uh, starting to invite some of these guys to jump on for a little bit with us. Like mm-hmm. in the same way as we will invite a Rangers guest or an Islanders guest on yeah. here to, to talk some shit about their team and, uh, to fill us in on what we're going to see in an upcoming series or whatever. Like maybe, maybe we get some of these Bruins fans on here to voice their opinion. And because uh, I, I mean, our opinions aren't aren't gospel. I know that there's nope. a lot of people who disagree with certain stuff, or mm-hmm. certain people who are like, I want, I would love to bring on somebody who is passionately a rascator on this podcast and just mm-hmm. let them have it out for five ten minutes, and then probably tell them how wrong they are for the next 30, but that could be fun to listen to. So yeah, maybe, exactly. maybe that's something we do, but right now we don't have to worry about any of that shit. Cause we are, we are fucking, we're, we're balls deep in the playoffs. We're balls deep. We are, we are on to round two. It's i I feel good about this team right now. All right, my man. Okay. Listeners. Thank you. And, uh, go Bruins. <laughs> go bees.